You are listening to the Discovery City Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about us, including our location and service times, please visit us at discoverycitychurch.com. We hope this sermon will encourage and build your faith as you pursue God, community, and influence within your world. Now, the message from our lead pastor, Caleb York. Ghosts of Christmas past. Like I said last week, we talked about the messenger, the messenger who was predicted in the Old Testament, who was going to come, and he was going to announce the coming king. And we see today, we're going to talk about the arrival of the king. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to begin in just a moment. But we see the arrival of the king coming on to the scene. And, you know, through this series, we've been saying for many, the story of Christmas has been more of like a ghost from the past. Maybe we heard it growing up in church. We, we heard, we grew up in church and we heard the story of Christmas and we always thought that's a nice story. Man, it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. I love hearing the Christmas story this time of year, but we think that's all it is, is just something to help us remember the holidays. We think it's something that just brings back memories of our childhood, but the truth is it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. And we're going to see today, like we saw last week, how it has to do so much more with our life right now and what we're going through today and even what we're going through tomorrow. The Christmas story is more than just a ghost from the past. It applies to our life right now. We're going to find that out today. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 is where we're going to begin reading. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, in other words, adults, before the baby making process began, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I want you to imagine Mary in this situation. She is pregnant with her child, and guess what? She probably goes to her family and says, it's not a man, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit put this baby in my belly. And I only can imagine the family's reaction. Okay, Mary, yeah, sure, that's that's right. It was the Holy Spirit. Was she crazy? Did we not teach her right? Did, Did she miss that class that day in school? Like, what happened there? She says, it's the Holy Spirit. And I want you to catch this. We see in the story that even her husband, Joseph, doesn't even believe her. What does it say? It says, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. We have to understand, in those days, if you were caught in adultery, the punishment is they took you outside of the city and they threw rocks at you till you were dead. That's what they did. That's what they did. I know my daughter's giving me this look like, what? I'll explain it to you later, baby. But you know, that's what they did in those days. And Joseph was a good man, the Bible says. It says he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do that. It says he wants to put her away quietly. Quietly. Joseph didn't want to put shame upon her. He didn't want to bring her to death. He wanted to try to do this in such a way that it just clean, he just kind of cleaned it up on his own. He cleaned up this mess by himself. And the truth is, maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here this morning, and your life's a little messy. Problems keep coming in your life, and you're trying to clean it up on your own. And though, you know what? 
it seems like when you try to do that, things just get worse. Things just get more messy. That's what Joseph thinks he's going to do right here. Look at the rest of the verse, verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to make Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, you know what? When we read this story, we're like, Joseph, why didn't you just believe? You should have just believed, Joseph. Well, we know. We just read it. We've read it for years. Joseph, why couldn't you just believe what Mary was saying? Why couldn't you do that? Well, we know. But now, guess what? It's been confirmed with him. An angel talks to him and tells him in a dream. And now he can grasp it. Now he can truly get it. Look at verse 21. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And this is important right here. Catch this. For he will save his people from their sins. Right there. That was Jesus' purpose right there. That's why he came. It wasn't to make our lives happy lives. Like everything's perfect now. We're just prancing around in fields and picking flowers and everything is just so perfect. Nothing bad ever is going to happen ever again because of Jesus. That's not why he came. That has nothing to do with him and what he did. Can I tell you this too? Jesus is not Santa Jesus, where if you be really good, he'll bring you gifts. That's not what he does. His story, the story of Christmas was and always will be about sin. It's always going to be about sin because our sin separated us from God. This morning, if you're here and you can't talk about sin, you don't get what this story is about because that's what it's about. Look at verse 22. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. And this next part right here is a quote from Isaiah written hundreds of years earlier, hundreds of years before. And this is what the prophecy says in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The first thing we see that happened over 400 years ago was silence. We talked about last week how the last, the last prophet that God spoke through was Malachi. And God gives this message. He says, hey, guess what? There's a messenger coming. We later found out last week that that was John the Baptist. He was the messenger. They sent John to be the messenger to prepare the way and said that the Messiah is coming. And not only is he coming, he's coming in the flesh. And then after he delivers this message, 400 years go by and God is silent. He says nothing. And then he breaks his silence. And what we just read, Matthew chapter 1. Because we see in Matthew chapter 1, the first thing that God says and what he wants us to know is that he's not a faraway God. That's what the message he's getting across in Matthew chapter 1. He's not some faraway God. He's not some absentee God. He's not some God that has turned his back on us. He is God with us. He's God with us. This story happened so long ago before any of us. But the truth is, if we fast forward, if we look to the future, and the best way that we can do that is through the book of Revelations. We look at Revelations chapter 1, verse 8. What does it say there? We looked at the past, now let's look to the future. It says, I am the Alpha and Omega. That Alpha right there, that's the first letter of their alphabet. 
Omega was the last. What God is saying right here is he's saying, I'm the A to the Z. I'm it. I am, it's all about me. It's always been about me. And then what does he say? He says, the Lord God who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. I want you to catch this. All of our lives, our lives are caught in between these two scriptures that we just read. One of them is the past. The other is the future. Our lives are in between. But the message of the king is still the same today. It's still the same message going on. It's never changed. God is, God was, and God will be with us. And so this morning, if you have your service guides, the first thing I want you to write down, the first thing that we really need to understand through the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus is this. God is. God is. The name Emmanuel means God with us. And when you believe that God is with us, when you believe that God is with you, it changes everything. It changes everything that is happening in your life. It changes things. Can I tell you this? If you don't believe that God is with you, it doesn't change anything. It changes nothing. You got to believe that he's with you. That's when things change. Maybe there's sometimes that you feel like God's with you. And there's times you feel like he's not with you. It's easy to feel like he's with you today because guess what? We're at church. Man, we just sang some songs. And man, I really feel like God's with me. I really feel like things are going on. But how about when things aren't going good? How about when you're not here? How about when things are not going the way that you want them to? When you begin that fight with that family member. When things aren't going the way that you want it to at work. When you're dealing with a situation, whether it's financial or relationship-wise, whatever it may be, and all of a sudden you begin to think like, man, God must have just left the room. Like he, he, he stepped out for a minute. Like where was God right there? Why wasn't God with me? And the truth is, the truth is that God doesn't want to just be with us when things are good. The truth is that God wants to be with us when things are even bad. Sometimes we may not feel like he's there, but he's there. Because God is with us. We see David say in Psalm 23, 4, says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? And here he says it right here. For you are with me. He's with us. God is with us. You know, through my life, I felt like there's times where God was really with me. He was with me, man. And then there, I've had times where I've really kind of missed what he wanted in my life. I missed what, what he wanted with me because the truth is I didn't fully understand younger, when I was in my younger years earlier on that even when I'm going through things in my life, he's with me. Even when my life is disappointing, he's with me. Even when I disobey him, he's with me. He wants to be with me. He wants to be with you. God's with us. 
We need to understand the message of Christmas, the story of Christmas, is not about an absence of trouble going on in our life where we're just like, well, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus is going to come and make everything just perfect. We're not going to have any more problems. That car that I need is going to be in my driveway. That money I need in that bank account, it's all of a sudden going to be there because Jesus has come. It's Christmas time. That's not the story of Christmas. It's not an absence of trouble. What it is, is it's a promise of his presence in our trouble. In the midst of our life just falling apart and things not going the way that we want it to go, he's with us. So many people get confused. They hear that phrase, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. They hear that phrase and they, they, they really, I think people use it way too loosely. They use it in ways that really is not intended. Well, the angels came and they told the shepherds, peace on earth. So that must mean we've got peace on earth. Have you looked around recently? Have you seen? How many of you kids can say, man, at school, it's peaceful at school. No one ever gets into a fight. Nobody ever yells. Can we really look around and say there's peace on earth? There's not. I mean, there's not. There really isn't. And if we look at our world, we have a world where it seems like things are just getting worse. We, we watch the news and we see war taking place. We look at our lives around us and we see hatred everywhere. We see people fighting. It's not peace. I want you to understand this in this story right here. When those angels came to the shepherds, they weren't describing what Jesus was going to do the first time he came. They were talking about what Jesus was going to do the second time he came. They were talking about the second coming of Jesus. What Jesus did the first time made it possible for there to be peace on this earth someday. One day there will be peace on this earth. It ain't happening right now. That's not what's happening in our world today. And you look around, there's not a lot of peace. I read this article a while back about the creators of Facebook. And the creators of Facebook learned early on that they made a mistake in how they set up Facebook. They had set it up and put things into place and made it in such a way that their goal was to bring people together, was to connect families, connect people all over the world. And you know what they found? They found that people began to turn on each other. And you would see constant negativity and you would see constant bickering and fighting and criticism. And they realized, guess what? We messed up because there's not peace on this earth. There's not peace going on in this earth. And you even look in Jesus's day. This is crazy. Think about Jesus and his 12 disciples. Do you know a Out of the 12, 11 of them were killed. They were killed. And the 12th one, he was really lucky. He got boiled in oil (laughs) and then exiled to an island. That doesn't sound much peaceful, does it? That doesn't sound peaceful at all. Maybe once he got to the island, I don't know. You know what? We don't have peace on this earth. That's such a misused phrase. Jesus came And what the message of Christmas is, is there's not an absence of trouble. There's always going to be trouble in our life. But God is going to be with us. I love the story of Jesus and the twelve when he sent them out on a boat. We see one time he he tells his disciples, get in this boat and go across this this sea right here. And I'm going to meet you on the other side. 
I wonder if they had questions like, you got a speedboat, Jesus? Are you going to catch up to us? Are you going to run the long way? Like, what's going on? I, they didn't really ask questions. And so they get in this boat and they begin to go across this sea. And all of a sudden, a big storm takes place. Huge storm is rocking the boat. These disciples, I, I imagine they begin to start screaming for God to save them because they think they're going to die. And all of a sudden, across the water, Jesus begins to walk out towards them. Jesus is walking on water. He didn't have a boat. He didn't have special shoes that he can walk on water with. He wasn't walking on shallow water where it looked like he was walking. He was walking on water because he had the mastery over water and the sea. And we find that out in just a minute. But we see he walks out to him. And Peter's like, Jesus, if it's really you, let me walk out on the water with you. Like, man, if you got the power to do that, you can help me walk on the water too. And so Jesus says, come on out. And so Peter begins to walk on the water with Jesus. And what happens? He begins to stop focusing on Jesus and he begins to see the trouble of the storm around him. The trouble of the storm taking place and he begins to focus on that. And when he focuses on all the trouble of the storm instead of focusing on Jesus, what happens? He begins to sink into the water. And I love this part. As he sinks, I'm sure he probably reached out and it says that Jesus caught him. He catches him. And I love this story right here because the truth is so, it's so true in our own lives today that when we begin to focus on all these other things, when we begin to focus on our troubles, instead of focus on Jesus, man, we lose sight of it all. Because when we have Jesus, it changes everything. When Jesus catches us, when Jesus has us, it changes everything because God is with us. When God is with us, the entire world could be against us. We could have the entire world closing in on us and we can still have confidence because God is with us. It's more than just God is, it's God was. Write that down this morning. God was. God is and God was. And the best way to put your trust in God in the future is we've got to be able to look back and see what he's already done. When you look back and you see what he's done in your past, man, you can really take some huge steps of faith in him in the future. I love the story of David and Goliath. How many of you kids know that story? David and Goliath? You guys just don't want to raise your hand. So the story of David and Goliath is such an awesome story. We see one day there's a huge battle, there's a huge war going on between two different people. And one of them is called, anybody know? Philistines, all right, good. And what's the other army called? Israel, the Israelites. We have the Philistines and the Israelites. Come on, you adults, answer questions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We have a battle between the Israelites and the Philistines, and they've been warring for years. But we see right here a specific battle. And what they would do in those days is they would bring out their greatest warriors, their greatest fighters, and they would have them fight in combat one on one. That's how they would do it. And whoever would win that fight, it would build momentum for the rest of their army. And it would give them just some amazing courage and momentum to go. And usually what would happen is the winner of that challenge would almost guarantee that their army was going to win. It would almost guarantee it. 
And so we see this day that the Philistines, they sent out their best fighter. And what is his name? Goliath. His name's Goliath. And he comes out and he is a giant of a man, dude. He is huge. I mean, if he walked into our building, he'd probably hit his head on every doorway as he walked in. He was a big guy. And they called him Goliath. What a name, Goliath. Like that that must have sealed his life, you know. They, his mama named him Goliath, and he became a Goliath. But you know what? We see Goliath come in, and nobody from the Israelite army wants to fight him. Nobody wants a piece of him because they're scared until a little pipsqueak kid named David steps up, and he is a little pipsqueak because he says, I'll fight him. And could you imagine it? all the guys were looking around, and they can't see him because he's down here. He's so short. They were like, oh, what? He said, I'll fight him. And I love this because in the story, you don't see a lot of these grown men actually fighting this. Like, they're so afraid of Goliath. They're like, oh, this little kid will fight him. All right, let's take this kid out there. Like, they, it almost sounds like my son Jack. When he doesn't want to play a scary video game, he'd be like, uh, Ethan, my other youngest, my, like, one of my younger boys, Ethan, you come do this. This is scary. <laughs> like, they'll pick the, they'll pick the smaller ones to come fight the battle. Well, that's what they do this day. David's like, I'll do it. And they're like, can we stick a kid out there? Yeah, I guess we can. Come on. And I love this. King Saul's like, well, obviously, if he's going to fight, he's going to need some armor. And so King Saul brings him into his tent. And he says, here, I want you to put on my armor. And I want you to understand, King Saul was a big guy, too. He was a tall in stature, dude. He was like big muscles, all kinds of stuff like that. That's why they picked him to be king, because he was such a big, strong dude. But even he didn't want to fight Goliath. And he says, hey, David, let me put my armor on you. And when he puts this armor on him, it just swallows him up. I mean, David probably, like, the helmet probably covered his face and his eyes. He couldn't see. He was like, this isn't very comfortable. Take this off. Take this off. I don't need this. And I love this part in the story. This is the part I want you to catch. It's that King Saul looks at David. And he says, David, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? He's a big guy. Are you sure about this? And what does David tell him? He says, yes. David says, I'm a shepherd boy. And I protect my sheep. And I've had times where lions have tried to come and kill my sheep. And God gave me the strength to kill those lions. A little boy. Gave the strength to kill lions, to fight lions, to protect his sheep. And if God has given me the strength to do that in the past, guess what? I can be confident in him to defeat this Goliath. I can be confident in him to defeat this giant that is in my life right here because of what I've seen God do in my past. When you know that God has been faithful in your past, you can know that he'll be faithful in your future. Because you've seen it. You've seen it done. He's faithful. The same is true for you. Take a moment. Look back in your life. The times where God has been faithful to you. And maybe you're here this morning. You're saying, but you know what? I, I don't feel like he's with me. I don't feel like he's done anything in my life. I don't feel like he's done anything in my past. Well, you're here right now, aren't you? You're still alive. 
You're still moving forward. God has protected you. God has given you what you need. He has brought you to where you're at in spite of everything that's happened in your life, whether it's financial problems, whether it's relationship issues, whether it's so many things going on, whether it's a failure in your own life, in your own decisions, whatever that trouble is, God has brought you through it and God has never abandoned you. What's so powerful for me in my own life is knowing that when I've disobeyed him, when I have ran from God, he didn't give up on me. He didn't give up on me when he so could have. I tell you, you guys better be really glad that I'm not God because if I was God, I probably would have killed you guys 10 times over by now. Just saying. I'd have been hurling lightning bolts at you guys. And you know what? If you were God, you'd be doing the same thing to me. Aren't you glad we're not God? God doesn't abandon us. He doesn't give up on us. He didn't give up on me in the midst of all my junk that I've done. And to be honest, still do sometimes. (laughs) You know what? God is. God was. And then write this down. God will be with me. God will be with me. When my boys, Jack and Josh, were here, when they were younger, it was really, really hard to put them to bed. Because they were so scared of the dark. They were deathly afraid of the dark. I mean, we couldn't close the door. Most of, they were, when they were really small, we've got them down to a nice science now, but when they were really little, like they couldn't even, we couldn't even turn the lights off. Like they would sleep with the lights on. And finally, once they would go to bed, we would go in there and turn the lights off. And then we'd wake up in the morning and come in there and the lights would be back on because they would get up and turn it back on. They were deathly afraid. I had times where I put them to bed and I'm walking out to go sit down on the couch and watch TV with my wife and just enjoy the rest of the evening. And all of a sudden I'd hear like a blood curling scream from their bedroom and go running in there and Josh would be like, ah! And he'd be pointing at the closet. And I'm like, Joshua, there's nothing in there. He's like, there's something. I saw something move. And I would have to go in there and I'd be like, I'd walk in the closet, I'd walk around, I'd touch everything. I'd be like, Joshua, there's nothing in here, dude. And if there was something in here, daddy would beat him up. Daddy beat up whatever monster came in our house because I'm not going to let anybody come in here and get you. Nobody's going to come get my babies. It ain't going to happen because daddy is with you. And you can believe in daddy. For you today, that's the message that God has for you. The message from God's the same in your life. He loves you so much that he will do anything to be with you. And as a matter of fact, he's done everything to be with you. He sent his own son to die for your sins so that he could be with you. He sent messengers through the years to get your attention. He sent prophets through history. He gave us the the number one best-selling book of all time. He's given it to us so that we can read it and so that we can use it and we can learn and we can grow and that we can understand that God will be with us no matter where we go, no matter what we do. He'll be with us. And God has done everything to get our attention. I love what Paul says, actually in Romans 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 says this, For I am sure... 
that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Does that bring you comfort this morning? Does it bring you comfort knowing that whatever waits in your future, God's already there? God's already fighting for you? God is already preparing the way because he is with you. We need to understand that God is, God was, and God will be with me. This morning, I feel like I've built a pretty good case. Did my lawyer walk and everything? I feel like I've built a pretty good case. The truth is, now that you realize that God is with us, that God was with you, that he will be with you. This morning, I want you to understand that God's presence was never the question. Through everything that we've talked about this morning and laying out all this and understanding God and where he's at and the story of Christmas, God's presence has never really been the question at hand. The question Is not, is God with me? The question is, am I with God? And that's your last note this morning. Am I with God? Are you truly with him? He's with you. No matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through, he's with you. But are you with him? Are you with him this morning? Maybe you're here and you're far from God. Maybe you're running the opposite direction and you know it. There was a time in your life where you were close to him, but right now you are disobeying. Right now you are creating distance. You're running from him. You're falling away from him and you know it. Today would be an awesome day to turn around, to run back to the father, to go back to him. Can I tell you, he's a good father. He has done everything to be with you. He's done everything. I love what Isaiah 59 says. It says, the arm of the Lord is not too short. What does that mean? It means that you can't run far enough away from God. You can't. There's never going to be a time where God says, ah, you're just too far. I just can't reach you. It's not going to happen. You may think you're so far away from God. You may think you've run so far from him. But guess what? He'll always be able to reach you. I love what the rest of it says. It says, also, your ears are not too dull to hear me. There's never going to be a time where God says, oh, you're so far. Well, I can't, I can't hear you. I hear you calling for me and you need some help, but I can't make out the words that you're saying. It's never going to happen. God's ears aren't too dull. If you cry out to him, he's going to hear you. He's going to save you. He'll respond to you. You're never too far away. Can I tell you what the problem is for most people? It's not how far they run away. The problem is, is they won't humble themselves. They won't humble themselves. The Bible makes it so clear that God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So many people, they just won't humble themselves and make him the Lord of their life. 
They want to be in control. They want to be the Lord. They want everything to be in their control. Maybe you're here today. Can I tell you this? Today would be a great opportunity to say, God, I want you to be in control. God, I want you to know that I'm with you. I know you're with me. I want to be with you. And ask him to come into your life and to save you. Because when you do, your life will completely change. It changes everything. I hope you see today. God is. God was. And God will be with me. The question is, are you with him? Are you with him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we, we thank you for the story of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this message right here. That we're not alone. God, I can only imagine how people felt in those days. They hadn't heard from you in so long. How hard it must have been for them to really receive that message. But when they were willing to humble themselves, when they were willing to see that Jesus was your son, how it changed their lives, and how he continues to change lives today. Lord, this morning, as we have families in here, as we have adults, kids, Lord, that if there's any that feel that way right now, that they feel like you're so far, that you just make yourself evident. That this morning, through your story, through your word, that it would open their eyes and they would see that you've never left. You're right there with them. No matter how far they run, you're right there with them. Lord, that you would use this story, that you would use this message to change their hearts. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his beginning. Such a humble beginning. What an example to us. Humble ourselves. He set the precedence. He set the example for us. Lord, we just thank you that you continue to walk through us through the future. Lord, that we can trust in you because of what you've done. Lord, as we prepare for this next year, as we prepare for the year 2020, Lord, that we can put our trust in you. And we don't have to fret about the future. We don't have to sit and worry and just constantly be worrying about what's going to happen because we can put that trust in you. You've been faithful before and you'll do it again. Lord, we just can't thank you enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Discovery City Church Podcast. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to help us continue to help others, you can give online at discoverycitychurch.com slash give.